Welcome to Season 4 of Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I am Catherine Quill, your host. I'm an architect practicing in Eastern Massachusetts. In past seasons, we've covered all sorts of subjects with the intention of helping homeowners who may never have been involved in a renovation before and they felt like they needed to know what they were doing. We've built up over 100 episodes on everything from roofing to foundations, heard many renovation stories, and learned how to hire various professionals. This season, we'll be focusing even more on the challenges of renovating old houses while incorporating new technologies, using my own new house as a case study. We'll have all sorts of different guests, most having to do with what I'm just calling the next level of renovations. Now that you've got these 100 plus episodes under your belt, I think you're ready. This episode is a renovation story about Hickory Haven, a very special four square in Wisconsin. The story involves an architect designing for his parents and creating an innovative income property that will also allow them to age in place in the future. This is a first. We haven't interviewed an architect with his or her family before on this show. Many of us architects can relate to wanting to make the best possible project for our parents and facing challenges along the way. Daniel Steger is an architect practicing in Massachusetts. His parents are Mary and Bob Steger. Their project is an Airbnb in Plymouth, Wisconsin, and also their primary home. I'll put the link in the show notes in case you're passing through there and looking for a charming place to stay. We talked about a lot of different subjects, about the challenges of constructing during COVID, long distance project management, working with family, replacement windows, and more. I hope you enjoy the story. I remember when they bought this house, I was already in Boston, and um, I remember sleeping in the living room with extra sweats, extra sweatshirts, multiple, multiple blankets, and we could see our breath in the morning because my dad had disconnected the furnace. <laughs> yep. Well, so, I think Catherine gets it too. She's, she's, yeah, I get it. Yeah, that's my current situation. Yep. We don't have any heat either, but we will eventually. So I grew up in Plymouth, Wisconsin, um, near Kohler, Wisconsin, southeast Wisconsin, that area, Sargento Cheese. Cheese land. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, okay. we're going to be plugging some local manufacturers, Johnsonville, Bratz, that whole thing. And um, I grew up in Plymouth, and um, in their retirement, or as they were approaching retirement, my parents had seen a house in the country um, side, about five miles outside of Plymouth, that they liked. And my mother would. Um, take communion to people that weren't able to go to church. And um, anyway, she dropped a little bug in this homeowner's ear and said, hey, if you're ever looking to sell, um, I'd be interested. And then kind of out of the blue, mom, right? She just told you or asked you one Sunday if you were still interested. Fun fact, this house actually used to be owned by my aunt and uncle. And we used to play, they used to live across the road. And we used to play at their house when we were kids and they had a pond and I remember being dropped off um, at that house and we'd swim all afternoon during the summertime and try and catch fish in their pond. Anyway, so we were kind of familiar with the house. They bought it, sold the house I grew up in. So this is not the house that I grew up and it was a mess. I mean, it was a working farm for probably 80 to 100 years. 
uh, I think the original lot had over 300 acres. Wow. Uh, what, what they bought was 11. So the house was on about five acres, and then they had two three-acre um, lots that were they would rent out to local farmers for hay or cover crops or whatever. When they bought the house, um, the woman who had owned it um, had two cats, and part of the purchase agreement was to take the two cats. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my parents did a wonderful job um, keeping those two cats alive for many years. And they started to do renovations. And so there were some really bad additions to the house. One literally looked like a trailer, a mobile home had been parked up against the house. That happens a lot. Have you noticed? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well built, but not very pleasing. So over the years, my parents kind of the original, it's an original American four square. So four rooms on each floor. And um, one of the second floor bedrooms was converted into a bathroom. It originally had no central plumbing. They started to renovate the house. They replaced all the windows with beautiful Marvin inserts. Uh, they renovated the second floor bathroom. My dad and mother did a lot of the work themselves. They took down the original chimney. It did not have a fireplace. Uh, they installed a wood burning fireplace in the living room. And slowly, every time we would visit, there was kind of a new project going on. And it got to the point where they were at a little bit of a stalemate. This last kind of large bad addition needed to be pulled off. And around that time, they were starting to get into renting out the house for on, on Airbnb. And over the years, I had done like little sketches. I mean, I think this was literally iteration number 30. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're not paying for architectural services, you kind of nitpick. Anyway, <laughs> um, we were really just trying to, we were, we were trying to whittle it down to, they didn't really need more space. They just needed to use the space they had very efficiently right. to make the project very cost effective. And so ultimately we decided to build a very small kitchen uh, in one of the first floor squares um, that had been kind of used as a casual dining area. And then the original kind of single story summer kitchen was torn off and that area became the mudroom. We did a very small link and then a single car garage and then a loft above the garage. Now the loft seemed, or at least through our discussion, seemed kind of superfluous and over the top and luxurious for this house. But what was happening is that when my parents were renting the house out on Airbnb, they had to leave the property. Hmm. And what that meant was they had to go into Plymouth and bunk with my older brother <laughs> and his wife. <laughs> okay. Well, that's an interesting, interesting plan. Yes, it was. And um, when that idea kind of wore thin or the idea got really old, they would camp out basically in the bad addition that was basically a mudroom breezeway entrance to the house. There wasn't any heat. And yeah, it was, it was truly mom pot kettle. And, you know, in true, in true Steger style, we just don't know when to jump out of the boiling pot kind of thing. Yeah. And so um, I said, well, this is kind of it here. We have to make, we have to uh, move ahead on this. So the first phase was the kitchen because 
I didn't want them to be without a kitchen. After that was done, phase one, uh, the following year, um, I was in a position that, well, it was actually at the start of COVID. I think the demolition for phase two, which was the breezeway, a bathroom on the first floor, single car garage, and the loft, we went into demolition probably about two or three weeks right before before the whole country kind of shut down with COVID. Mm. The idea was that I would travel out there like once every three or four weeks, meet with a contractor, make decisions. And the whole construction project was done remotely online because I couldn't travel. Wow. So you did that through FaceTime or something like that so that you could walk yeah, around the site? Yeah, Zoom. Exactly. Mm. Yep. And a lot of phone calls. A lot of phone calls. What it... What the addition allowed them to do was, I, the way I designed it was that people will book the original four-square farmhouse, and they get two bedrooms or three bedrooms, whatever they want, the kitchen, the living room, dining room, and then they get the mudroom and the first-floor bathroom, second-floor bathroom. And then there are doors that close in the breezeway, and my parents can still drive into the garage there are two doors. One would take them into the mudroom or one would take them to the base of the stairs that go up to the loft. And then up in the loft, there's a full bathroom, king-size bed, gas-burning stove, and a kitchenette. So they literally just kind of keep their clothes up there and everything and then uh, shut the door. And then they have their own little apartment. Okay. I don't know why I thought you were renting out the apartment for the Airbnb. Well, that was the original, that was the original, <laughs> the original idea. idea. I, I, I remember this very clearly. They had some guests staying in the house for Valentine's Day, February, maybe two years ago. And they went up into the uh, loft. And I remember getting this call from them. And they were enjoying it so much. I thought to myself, they are never moving out. <laughs> They're not moving out of that loft. And so they've actually made it into kind of their master suite, bedroom, kitchen, bathroom area. And that's, that's actually where they kind of hang out all the time. And then that allows my mother to and father to keep the bedrooms set up and clean and the bathrooms clean. Oh, yeah. So that if someone books at the last minute for Airbnb. That's Yeah, that's a good point. Well, interesting. So Mary and Bob... This wasn't your first house. How many had you renovated before this, would you say? One other, One other home. home. The one that Daniel grew up in? Yes. Yeah, they put a major addition on in the late 80s when I was still in high school. You know, expanded the house after everyone left, basically. Right. I don't, that seems to be the way it goes all the time. <laughs> they, they got many years of um, use out of it. The grandchildren, large Christmases, you know, it really could handle... A group of 15. Yeah. I think we were a total of 15. Wow. With my brothers and their spouses and kids. So. All right. And you did, did you do any of the work yourselves on this project, the one that you're in right now? Yes. Daniel mentioned we replaced all the windows. We did replace them with identical um, design windows that we took out to keep it looking, you know, old and like it was. A uh, new roof, new heating system, and uh, renovated the bathroom on the second floor. Um, tore all the wallpaper off and repainted all the rooms. And the, when when they took the chimney down, uh, it created a 
a large crack in the living room. And we weren't too concerned about it because we knew we were going to put in a fireplace. But um, we had company one weekend, and they brought two little boys in with them. And one little boy said to me, do you know you have a big crack in your wall? (laughs) And I said, yes, I do. Kids are helpful. (laughs) We've put a lot of sweat sweat equity into this Mm -hmm. place. Um, If it weren't for Daniel, I wouldn't have a new kitchen, nor would we have the garage and loft area. I call it my tiny house Mm -hmm. above the garage because it just satisfies all of what we need to do. Here again, we're we're in a home. (laughs) We left a home that was too big for two people, and now we're back into a home that has just about as much space for two people. (laughs) Our two people are living here. So that's why we choose now to rent out the house instead of the loft. Can I ask, can I just back up for a second and ask you a question about your windows? Because you said you had the Marvin, the Marvin insert. Yes. I'm just contemplating getting them myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering what your experience was. And I have heard that they don't close up the window as much as other replacement windows would you say that's true i'm i'm a little skeptical about replacing my historic windows with those windows because you know they look a little end up looking a little different but what's the word i'm looking for here daniel i mean on the on the sides they they, the replacement windows decrease the glass oh there you go that's what it is yeah yeah so i'm wondering what your feelings are about that i don't think it it ruins the look is the same i never had that addressed to me we had the company come out and uh, he measured it every window and um, all we had to do technically was um, take out the the rope and the weight and uh, everything was accessible and by the time I got going I Mm. put the windows in the first one took me about an hour and a half I wanted to make sure I was doing this right. And after that, I felt, oh, this is going to be nice. Uh, it's easy. And uh, the cavity, when the old windows were taken out, I just took some spray foam and sprayed that cavity full so that it wouldn't impair the uh, integrity of the new windows. So then after that, I uh, was able to put a window in in about uh, 45 minutes. It it worked very well, and they're tight, and I'm getting the uh, benefit of the uh, argon in the windows, and it's tighter. I could tell it right away. Well, so what do you think, Daniel? Do you think that you, you know what I mean, though, about them filling in the window? Like it's less Yeah, I think if you, I think we as design professionals, we'd say, Oh, you have an insert window in here, and and we would notice. Yeah. No one else notices, and it certainly doesn't reduce the glazing dimensions that much that anyone would ever uh, understand. I think the benefits outweigh any of that. All the windows tilt in; they're very easy to clean. You know, insulated glass. These are not the Marvin Next Generation, the new ones. You know yeah. that when you close them, they lock automatically. No, I didn't know um, about that. But there's still a very, very good window. In yeah. our old house in West Roxbury here in Boston, we used the pellet inserts, and 
Sorry, Pella. <laughs> Not good news for Pella? I personally would No, no, no. They're, they're a beautiful window. Mm -hmm. I think really it gets down to some very minute details as designers. Yeah. And I just think Marvin handles the hiding the track system, the balance system, much better than anyone else on the market at that price point, you know? Yeah. Well, I probably should just go see them myself, see what's going on with that. Yeah. What, um, <laughs> have you worked with other architects <laughs> before? Yeah. Uh, no, Daniel was the first. <laughs> no, I, let's, at the uh, house in town, um, you used an architect for that, that design. No, he was not okay. an architect. He was he was a man that worked for a company, and he was uh, retired, and he drew uh, that addition on. It wasn't detailed as much as Daniel. Yeah, I believe it. And uh, but it all worked out. <laughs> all right. So I, you know, working with family can always be a little challenging in some ways. And in some ways it could be easier. But how, how was it working together as a family, would you say? What we found uh, mainly is the contractor and his crew have never worked with such detail as they did with our project. And they didn't always follow the plans. <laughs> I'm yeah, trying to be I, I understand. It's kind of shocking, but it happens. As for Daniel, Daniel and Bob work together a lot. I would say maybe every other day, every couple of days, we would take pictures and then send them to Daniel. And if he had questions, he contacted the contractor. And I don't I don't know what Daniel would say, but I don't think his the contractor's communication was the best mm. either. Me and a heating cooling contractor, I have a sense of what goes on in projects, and I didn't tell that them the company that we took. I I thought keep it in Plymouth, and so we don't aren't we aren't paying for traveling of all the people right. that came here and uh and we worked with them jeff the, the head carpenter on this job he was he told me one day he said i've been doing this 40 years i'm gonna retire in two years and he said i never seen plans like this he said um, they're so detailed somewhere along the line the owner of the company wasn't giving Jeff the uh, updates that Daniel mm. was doing. And so all of a sudden it came to light. And so there was a little tension between some of the people. You, you wouldn't notice it, but it, yeah. it was there. And I know, Daniel, that uh, you talked to some of these people. Did you talk to a man, Jeff? Yes, I yeah, you know, I have a lot of conversations with Jeff. Yeah, you know, I think um, Catherine, the um, the contractor came with great recommendations. You know, they're a full contracting firm. They have their own office and conference room yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I think really what it came down to is they were more they were used to building kind of spec home or very simple addition or renovation. 
And what I was asking for, I, I wouldn't say it was unusual. I was just presenting different details that they weren't used to executing. Right. And so some of the details that were drawn by me um, was just to make sure they really understood everything that was involved, that we could talk about it. So one of the difficult details is I had a full height pocket door between going up to the loft and they weren't used to, you know, a pocket door being eight feet tall. So it was things like that yeah. that were, you know, and I, the, the distance and having to do this over either the computer or over, yeah. over the phone yeah. um, would just lead to frustration. But well, yeah. um, good craftspeople, good intentions, you know, when they understood it, they understood it after our discussions. Um, they just, yeah, it was a level of detail that they weren't accustomed to. Hmm. Also a different product line. The products that we were using were, they weren't unusual, but again, I think we were just being very specific with certain things. You know, we weren't going to a big box and getting whatever they had on the shelf. These right. were very specific. So I think you and I kind of sometimes see when we give too much information to the build team, that sometimes paralyzes them, mm -hmm. as well as too little sometimes paralyzes them because they don't know what to do. Yeah. And so I think we got into a little paralysis sometimes when there was just so much information being presented that they just didn't kind of understand how to prioritize and execute. Right. But we got there. It probably would have gone a little <laughs> differently if we hadn't had a worldwide pandemic during the construction yeah yeah probably yeah you could have <laughs> been there in person yeah. more often well mm -hmm. so mary and bob what's your favorite moment i guess you could say in in the loft like the views or the the way the light comes in are were any of these details worth it i guess <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> <laughs> daniel <laughs> I think executed uh, when he did the uh, kitchen, he uh, had us move the doorway so that we could stand in the kitchen and look to the east through windows. You look to the west, you're always looking through windows. You're looking through north and south. He was trying to open up the house to mm. the outside. And in, this, in the loft is the same way. It's, uh, uh, you come up there and you're gonna think it's only an eight foot ceiling all the way up there. And uh, he, he has a ceiling about 13 and a half feet to the peak of the roof. And, uh, and he has that rounded out up there. It, it just, it stands by itself and, um, and says it. A few people that did come that we allowed up there, uh, they, they all come, oh, look at that. Look at that archer up there. And, you know, it, it kind of strikes their view. Yeah, their view, because we can look th through the east windows and we can stand there and look out to the west and, um, and also to the south. To the north, there's purposely no windows there because the bathroom on the main house would be uh, right there. And uh, we didn't want 
I'm sure Daniel meant that that uh, wouldn't be a problem when people forget to pull the shade or whatever in the bathroom. So it's the country, Catherine. You don't have to pull your shades when you're in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I look up there are the, are, are the raccoons. They're very yeah. curious. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, That's scary to see a raccoon at your window, though. I've, I've seen that. It's a little alarming. Um, <laughs> Having gone through all this, I mean, obviously during COVID, I think it's a totally different thing. But do you have advice for other homeowners who who might be contemplating building on a little loft or tiny home to their house so they can rent out their their main house for Airbnb or rental? What we have is ideal. We are totally, we can be totally segregated from the main house with um, the pocket door and also the door that goes from the garage into the main entrance of the loft. I think too that Daniel had in mind, and correct me if I'm wrong, if either of us were ill and needed to have care come in and help, um, it would be an, an option that they could mm. stay there and we would have someone on site and we could live here for as long as That's possible. A good point. I I think Daniel had that in mind. Like Bob, I I I'm so happy with all the windows uh, because we do have privacy. We've got a lot of trees and whatnot around us. I think that would be the biggest thing I would miss if I were to have to move back into town and live in a condo or. Um, some kind of senior living would be the the green the greenery and right now we have all the fall colors yeah. it's very peaceful and um, soothing and we can see it all from what, wherever we stand and and that's that's special that's what we hear from the guests too <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah some people have a a good eye. Uh, we had two men that were here for the Road America, and they immediately, when they walked in to the dining room where we are sitting here, they said, "Wow, this is really, really, really done well." And uh, Daniel tried to keep it not too modern downstairs, and we we purposely. Uh, tried to find things that are old, but yet have the character that that we can um, say that this is a four square and this is how it looked. And back in 1925, it'll be a hundred years old in three years, I believe, four years. It, it's uh, held its value uh, being here. So I'm, 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 well pleased and uh, you always have a hiccup here and a hiccup there and and we have this option of it, it all worked out at, in the end a couple things are running through my mind one is i think every architect should go through a renovation at some point i know that i wasn't living there but you know i was in the trenches with them talking about finances talking about product selections certain things 
they didn't like that I had designed, trying to figure it out so that they, you know, had what they wanted. I, I think every architect should really go through that versus just designing something and passing it along and saying, hey, build this. Yeah. Um, because I think that's where architecture, at least in residential, where rubber meets the road. Number two, you know, some of our clients, you know, they've been on renovation number three, four, five, six, right? And some people, a renovation to their home or uh, a second property is really a once-in-a-lifetime event. And you want to make it pleasurable for them because it should be a happy occasion, right? You're tweaking your home to make it a better home for the for the family or for whatever reason. And um, part of that also is as people stay in their homes longer and make them their forever homes, I think a home has to be able to be flexible. And it's not about moving walls and partitions and stuff, but you know they have the ability that if they wanted to rent out the loft, they could and still get income, live on the first floor with a full bathroom, a large walk-in shower if either of them need assistance. The bedroom can be on the first floor. So it really has a lot of flexibility built into it. And I think that's important because as life throws us curveballs, it's great when our spaces can respond to that very easily. Yes, I would agree. Um, the the other thing that for me was very important was you know they had done this amazing renovation on the original house and people would walk in and say wow this is great and then you had a dumpster living or you know yeah. parked up against it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um as their son i was very concerned about the property's value and not from an inheritance standpoint because we've always said to them spend every last penny whatever is <laughs> is left over, we don't care, right? Enjoy it. But if they ever had to, you know, quickly sell the place, put it on the market and move back into town for health reasons or whatever, they would have taken a big hit yeah. because someone would purchase the property and say, I have to put another two hundred or 300000 into this, tearing this off and putting on blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Now that it's done, we can just let the property appreciate and value the way it should. So I was really trying to get this last phase done so that we wouldn't have to worry about this and that they could just live in the property and enjoy it versus constantly daydreaming about what the next renovation would be or the next phase. Right. I think in the area, some people might say it's a little over the top, a little excessive, hmm. or maybe the time put into the detailing was you know, why are you spending that much effort or energy on it? But I think as designers, Catherine, this really has proven the power of design attracts people. It allowed them to bump their Airbnb nightly prices up. And, you know, when you're on a fixed income, having this money that just falls to the bottom line is really, really helpful. Yeah. So, so Daniel, I know you have an Instagram. Do you have this project on your mm. Instagram? And would you like to share your Instagram in case anybody wants to take a look? I do have an Instagram for DGS Architecture. It's DGS slash A Architecture and Design. And my handle is DGS underscore Architecture. Anything that says Plymouth, Wisconsin on it is obviously their house because I'm located in Massachusetts. <laughs> okay, so anything that says Wisconsin is this project because I... Mm -hmm. I've seen photos of it and I 
I don't know where the over the top part is, so I'm gonna have to take a look again for that. <laughs> but um, I mean, it looked great to me, and I think it sounds like a great solution and something that a lot of people are thinking about, uh, whether it be an ADU or, or like building a little apartment onto mm -hmm. their houses. I mean, it makes total sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on and and talking about it. Well, thanks for having us on. Yeah, and and maybe I'll meet you someday. We like to drive around, and I know a nice Airbnb I could stay in. We get out that way. <laughs> Are you a golfer, Catherine? That's the big draw in their area of golf. Golf? No, no. But I do, I do like cheese. There you go. That's the that's <laughs> that should be the first draw. Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> I've had had repeats oh, this nice. summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the guests did a little sketch and drawing of the place and sent it to me after, which was a wonderful surprise. I've had nothing but good people rent. Mm -hmm. They've all been very pleased with um, with the environment. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's when you find an Airbnb that you that you love. I mean, I would go back too because some of them. Yeah, they're not so nice. So when you get to a good one, you don't want to you don't want to miss it next year. So I can understand that. But do you want Do you want to send me the link to the Airbnb? And I can put that in my show notes. Yep, Hickory Haven, Plymouth, Wisconsin. Hickory Haven, that's the name of the yep. house. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you for listening, and thank you so much for sharing this show with your friends. It is growing all the time, and I really appreciate that. I would love to hear from you if you have anything to say about this episode or past episodes, good or bad, or a suggestion for a new episode. Send me an email at thehousemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com. Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven is a proud member of Gable Media, the most engaged AEC network on the planet. Check out my other show and all the rest of the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. And until next time, take it easy.